0: Yeah, you know, I'm excited to to get into the Word of God tonight, and we're looking at how I can trust the Bible, or or how do we know that the Bible is trustworthy? And uh, I guess I just wanted to, as I, I just felt as I was worshiping, then that, that God just really laid this on my heart that that trust is, you know, trusting in the Word of God is is actually about hum- humility. It's not about being smart. It's not about being right, but it's about being able to, to, to know and be confident, I guess, in, in God and His Word and what He says to us. And, and, and as I was just praying there, I really uh, want to encourage you, if you weren't here this morning, um, get on the podcast during the weekend and check out Pastor Phil's message this morning, because a big part of what I believe in trusting the Bible, and it's not one I my points tonight, and maybe it should have been, but it is when we know God's Word, we can trust it. You know, when we, we begin to understand it. And Phil preached a Pastor Phil preached a fantastic message this morning on on how to actually read and interpret scripture and, and very practical but so helpful uh, in how to break down the word of God and how to understand it. And I and I think when we look at how we can trust God's word we've got to know it and understand it and know kind of how to get into it and so if you weren't here this morning and you missed that even if you were and you're not you like me and you don't take notes maybe go back and and log into that and and take some notes it'll really help you uh with with getting into God's word but tonight uh you know as I get started, I, as a quote just kind of floating through my mind as I was preparing this is, "Don't." I used to get told, don't believe everything you read. And uh, I didn't read a lot then, so I kind of dismissed it as a, as a young person. I was like, great, don't read. That's what I took from that. As a young leader, I was like, oh, I'll lead people, but I'm never reading. You know, it's, it's, it's no good. You can't trust everything. But in today's society, isn't that so true? That so many things come on the internet, so much stuff comes through social media. You can read on Facebook that something happened and it just completely didn't. But if you, were, if you didn't look into it, you would think, oh yeah, that celebrity did die. Um, and you know, if you, if you believe everything you read, you're going to be led astray at some point. Uh, not something that's necessarily what we want when we uh, look at the Bible. We, when we read the Bible, we can believe everything that we read in there. But there's some points tonight that I want to draw out that are going to help us understand why we can believe what we're reading, why uh, you know we can have trust in what we're reading, why we can tell other people you know you can believe in this. Uh, it's so important. And you know I used to think growing up as a, as a young person that the Bible just fell out of the sky. That's because you know it's God's word, and I was like, well, how how did God's word get? To the people I don't understand, and and I didn't, you know, read a lot then, so I was like, I don't know what's going on. And so I thought God just lobbed it out of the sky to what and I actually thought he lobbed it out of the sky to Moses, which showed how good my theological understanding was. Because a lot happened before Moses. But I was like, oh, Moses was maybe I got confused with the Ten Commandments. But I literally used to think, because it was God's word, he wrote it. Uh, up there in heaven on some sort of paper and and just threw it down to his people and and away they went. I don't know if anyone else was like that. It took me a long time to kind of figure out that that wasn't how the Bible uh, took place. Then I began to think, you know, they said, no, God kind of spoke his word to people. So then as a young person, I used to watch a a lot of the TV show called The Simpsons. And so there's a a classic scene in The Simpsons where Bart pretends to be God and and, uh, hacks into the radio of the local Christian kids and begins to tell them that they need to deliver cookies to The Simpsons' doorstep. And they're unsure. And he's like, do you want a happy God or an angry God? And they're like, oh, happy God, happy God. And so they begin to do what God tells them to do on the radio. And so that's how I then thought the Bible came about, that God kind of sat up there and was like, now moses and spoke it and he began to write it and again i learned that that wasn't what happened that that god's word was written by people but delivered to them through the inspiration of god and in in 2 timothy 3:16 and 17 it says this that all scripture is inspired by god and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. I love it that it doesn't leave it there. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And I love verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good word. Work. You know, we know that God inspired his word, that he spoke it, he he delivered it. We have it there to, to help obviously point out from the beginning that we're not right with God. You know, the Bible is all about his redemptive story, is all about his relationship with us and bringing us back to that place of relationship with him. And as we read that, it points that out to us that, you know, it shows us what was wrong with our lives. It shows us how to correct it, but it doesn't just leave us there. It's not a book just telling us off, going, hey, you're all wrong and, and now you need a relationship with me and now you've got it, we're good. It prepares and equips us for how to live our lives. And so I think when we read it like that and we understand that it's God's inspiration and it's there for us to live out of and it's to prepare us and equip us, it's so important that we trust it. It's so important that inside we, we just know that we know that we know. And it doesn't mean that there won't be doubt. It's not about winning an argument and it's not about being right. But it's about when we read it and we get into it and we, we think about what we listened to this morning. That When we want to get into God's Word, we want to understand that it's God's way of equipping us through his story, through his inspiration, delivered through other people over time. And so tonight I just wanted to pull out a few kind of practical ways that we can think about the Bible and when we read it, and and, you know, this is a journey I've been on a little bit more recently and I've been so... Uh, you know, a lot more passionate about the Bible the more I kind of begin to understand these things because it it reminds me how true it is, how important it is, how confident I can be in it. And it makes me excited to read it because when I understand it's preparing and equipping me, but then I understand how actually intricate and cool the Bible really is, it makes me want to kind of fill my life with it because I realise the importance of it and the importance of it in our world. And so the the first point that I wanted to to bring out tonight, why we can trust the Bible, is that God cannot lie. And in Hebrews 6, 16 to 18, it says this. Now, when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. You know, in the court, often we see people swear, what, on the the Bible? Like, I I, I take an oath on the Bible that says I'm, I'm telling the truth. I don't tend to do that. I tend to be like, yeah, I bet on my car that I'm telling the, you know. But God also bound Himself with an oath. So that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable. Why? Because it is impossible for God to lie. You know, if we read in his word that his word is real, that it is true, that we can trust it. We know if it's inspired by God, if it's God's word, as we call it, we can trust it. Why? Because God cannot lie. In fact, when he needs to make an oath or he needs to make a covenant, he doesn't use anything else but the greatest. He uses his own name because he knows it's trustworthy. And so part of you know, what this comes down to, and this is about as much of my understanding as a, as a young person, was I believe in the Bible because I believe in God. So if it's God's Word, it kind of just must be true. And that was helpful because it got me so far in life. You know, People would say the Bible's not true. And I'm like, no, it is because God said it's true. And His promises are true, so it must be right. And that's a very simplistic uh, faith and, 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 you know, not necessarily the, the biggest bombshell you ever hear, but the reality is if our faith is in God and we understand how great He is and that He can never lie to us, His Word is always going to be true. And we can, we can take that to the bank. Yeah, that's right. You know, the Bible is historically accurate. Yeah. You know, most of the Bible is delivered to us from eyewitness accounts. So people writing, you know, the Gospels are written by the guys that were around Jesus that parts of the the Old Testament, the narratives are written through people who experienced it. It's from people who were there and then, and they've written it down. You know, one of the problems I have in my life and it's a, it's, a, it's a great first world problem that happens to me all the time, is a little thing called predictive text. I don't know if anyone else struggles with this. And it's, a, it's what I have, I have a love-hate relationship with predictive text because so often my spelling is shocking and so it will fix it for me and I am grateful in those moments. Thank you for correcting that word and not just underlining it. I am, Or it'll guess what I'm saying and it will deliver it and I'll send my message with speed. But then so often I don't pay attention and I write a message and I send it And I get a confused reply and I look and predictive text has been at its worst and has changed everything in there, making my sentences unreadable. See, I'm grateful that back when the Bible was scribed and when it was written down, there was no such thing as predictive text because there would be mistakes all the way through it. But why this is important to understand? about it being from eyewitness accounts, that it was written down, is that it was written down so carefully. You know, when you begin to look into, and we don't have time tonight, but when you begin to look into uh, how the Bible was transcribed and written, it, there were rules everywhere. One of the ones I love the most is that they didn't write word by word how predictive texts would write. They actually wrote letter by letter so that there could just be no mistake. In fact, that says that they knew the Bible so well, what they were writing down, that they knew how many of the letter A, for example, would be in what they'd written, what they'd transcribed. And when they would go through it, if there was any mistakes, it wouldn't just be like, it out or, or, you know, whatever it is, delete. It, it would be thrown away and they would start again. There had to be a certain amount of spacing between the columns and the words and the writing that it was, because it needed to be accurate. And I'm so grateful that they took so much care in that. You know, one of the things that, that helps us kind of figure this out is the, is the Dead Sea Scrolls. They were written years and years before Jesus. And then the Bible or the, the transcripts they were using after Jesus weren't these ones. These ones had been you know, lost or I didn't know 100% where they were, but they were tucked away somewhere. And so they were using a different version over 900 years apart when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls. And they pulled them out and this was going to be a moment where, of, of like truth for the Bible. Was it, was it, is it accurate? Has someone kind of just taken it and, and done their own version of it? Or, you know, Eugene Peterson's been in there and done a, you know, is it going to be accurate or not? Is it, and they pulled it out and you know what they, they discovered was that there was, in 900 years, the changes between one transcript and another was less than 5%. And that there was a couple of spelling mistakes in there. A guy like me probably did some transcribing. And, and a couple of name changes and word changes made up a 5% difference in what had been passed on and passed on and passed on. The Bible is very historically accurate. You know, another way in this is, is with archaeology. And this just keeps coming up. So much of our history is done because of archaeology. That Places are proven to exist because they're written in the Bible and they find them and they can understand what they are. And the longer kind of time goes on, the more we kind of find archaeological facts that back up the Bible. And they're just a few, but I, when I read that and I begin to understand that, I don't normally get excited by history, but Part of what I've been doing is some study and there's a lecturer that we have that's pumped about this stuff. And so if I kind of, because I kind of enjoy it a little bit, I always, I feel has been there a few times. I'll ask him a question, you know, like, oh, back then, how was it copied? And then he gets the whiteboard out and he starts going through and he takes a good hour. And I'm like, yes, it's lunchtime. I survived that little bit. And I feel like I learned a few more facts. But it makes me excited to read my Bible because when I read through there, it makes me understand how much care they took when they wrote it. And that it wasn't just random, that it didn't just fall out of the sky, that it wasn't just some bloke copying it. But there were so many things bound and put together that helped it be accurate. And when we look at all those historical facts and we look at how they keep coming up, for me, it helps me trust the Bible more. Because it's not just then based on the fact that I know God can't lie. And that's the underlining thing. But now it gives a little bit more proof and a little bit more understanding, a little bit more surety to what God is saying. You know, prophecy is a, is a massive one as well. The, the, the prophecy throughout the Bible that, that, that brings it in. And I love this in, in Luke 24:27. Jesus is talking to his disciples and it says, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. You know, the theme of the entire Bible is God's plan for redemption from beginning to end. It, it, there's historical facts, there's stories, there's all sorts of types of things written in the Bible, but all of it leads straight towards the same thing, God's redemption of his people. And Jesus is sitting here in Luke with his disciples, and he's going through all of the, the prophecies and, and teaching them all the things that were written in the Old Testament that concerned Jesus, that a Messiah would come, that these things would happen, and they always point back. You know, again, I used to think prophecy used to be about just being like kind of a bit sneaky smart, like you could get a word for someone and encourage them or God might tell you something about someone, you have a little bit of knowledge and you can either use that to help them or against them in some ways. I used to pray that God would give me a word of knowledge about my mum so I could like trade it off, like do your homework, well mum, God told me. He never did that. But you know, prophecy in the Old Testament was always what, it was to point people back towards God. It was to encourage them in in being in a relationship with God. So often it was corrective, sometimes very harsh, but always there to, to point people back Towards Jesus. You know, as you're reading your Bible and you read the prophecies, you can and the stories, you can just see that theme. And as that happens, and as as it's happened for me and I've read through it, it's helped me be able to trust in, in what the Bible is. You know, unity is another one. John five thirty nine says, You search the scriptures because you think they give you eternal life, but the scriptures point to me. You know, it says in there that the Bible is there to help equip us. And again, as we just talked about through prophecy, it really is just about the unity in the thing, that all of it points back towards the same thing. And what's so powerful about this is, I don't know if you guys, there's a game I used to, used to play. It's not very popular in youth ministry anymore. We tried it and it, it, it went a little bit bad, but it's called Chinese Whispers. I don't know if you ever played that game don't do it with teenagers because by the time you get to the end, you have no control over what they're going to say and they just make it up. But I've actually never seen Chinese whispers work. Like I've never seen that that pulled off. I've never seen it start with one because there's always some joker in the middle, probably me, maybe you, that would change what it was and you get to the end and you get a different message. When you think about how the Bible was written, 66 books, Over 40 different authors and written over 1,500 years. Yet, you know what? It all says the same thing. Diverse group of people. The disciples were a diverse group of people if you just want to stay in there. Yet, everything they wrote from their eyewitness accounts, everything that's written through the Bible, through the inspiration of God, whether it was experienced or prophetic or whatever it was, all comes back to that same theme, doesn't it? God's redemption of people. I don't know if we all kind of try to write a book even in this place about our church and we just said, hey, can you write something about the history of church or your experience or your this or your that? Just in this group of people, I reckon we would get this crazy unreadable thing that probably somewhat makes a little bit of sense but doesn't necessarily tell and reflect accurately what goes on. Yet 66 books can all point through to the same thing. We can be incredibly confident in the Bible because of its unity. They make one book, one story, and there's no contradiction. This one's my personal favourite. It survives attack. You know, time after time, people attack the Bible. You know, it, it, there's, I was even looking this morning, and you think about how many places in the world that, that, that your life can be taken from you just for possessing a Bible. I'm grateful now there's apps. I reckon that's helped those people a lot more. You can be a bit more sneaky with a download. I was actually trying to find this morning whether or not you, like, it's illegal to download the Bible on an app anywhere. Google hasn't caught up with that. It didn't give me an answer. But I know in the world, there's places where they will still put you to death for bringing a Bible into the country. That all over the world, people smuggle Bibles in because of the hope and the power that is in it. People are willing to give up their life to read it, to deliver it to others. Shows that there's power in it. Shows that it must be doing something if people are willing to give up their lives to have them. What I love as well is in places like that, how the gospel thrives under that attack. That people could be so passionate, something that I would have no understanding of. I've been able to have a Bible my entire life. Yet there's people who live literally in jeopardy because they want to read God's Word. Yet it still survives and spreads and thrives in those places. You know, a great story I uh, saw through the week was a, A controversial guy in history called Voltaire and uh, he he made the claim at one point in Paris that the Bible would be dead within a hundred years and uh, we know he's wrong because it was more than a hundred years ago but what I love about this stat is that one of the properties that he lived in was bought by the Bible Society (laughs) and became like a hub for Bibles everywhere like wouldn't you be spewing if that was like the big claim you were known for like the Bible will be dead in a hundred years you guys are all idiots and then the Bible Society bought your property and turned it into this amazing centre. You know, it survives attack. It's always come through. It's the most purchased book, it's the most copied book, it's the most translated book, it's the most stolen book in the world. There is so much power in it. And the fact that it survives time after time after time shows that there's gotta be something trustworthy about it. There's gotta be something in this book we call the Bible. There's gotta be some reason why people would give up their lives why people would choose to smuggle it, why people would even bother to be so against it. Because it is the Word of God. It's there to equip us, transform us. Last one tonight. And this is actually my favourite. That was my novelty favourite. This is my actual favourite. That the Bible has transforming power. I love this. Just a few verses of Scripture for us. Jesus said to the people who believed in Him, so this is people who already know how good God is. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's freedom in the Word of God. Yeah, that's right. When we remain in it, there's freedom. Yeah. Romans 12, 2. Don't copy the behaviour and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you which is good, pleasing and perfect. You know, I love that. I love that when we read the Bible, it can change the way we think, that it can transform who we are, that it can set us free, that when we read it and we can look into a world that is so often not trustworthy, that so often changes and and can deceive and wants to lead us away from God, that we can go back to the Bible and it can straighten us up, but it can also transform how we think. I love that we, we, we are in a church where one of our, our core beliefs in, you know, through the whole We Are series is that we are a biblical church. Why? Because we know that the power is in the Bible. That when we preach messages, we preach them out of the Word of God. That so is centred in that because we know that it has the ability to transform your mind. And here's what I think. Out of all of these tonight, the one thing that can't be robbed away, people can argue historical facts. They can argue different bits of pieces. And that's why I was talking about it being about humility and not argument. But the one thing that can't be taken away from you in your belief and in your faith and in your trust of the Word of God is when it transforms your life. Because then it's that Word becoming real inside of you. It's doing something in your life. It creates a story about the reality of God in this world. And it builds our faith. And so these other things are so helpful and they're so good and they're good to know. And they're good to be able to have in discussion and they're great to just keep in the back of your mind as you're reading it. And when you read something you don't understand, you go, oh, hang on, is this actually true? These things will build your trust in the Bible. But the one thing that'll make you confident in your trust in the Bible is when it transforms your life. You know, our reading plan this week, James 1, our memory verse is, do not merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I think that's a powerful thing. Do not merely listen to the Word of God and so deceive yourselves. If we just pause there for a second, it, it, really if you're just reading the Word of God and you're listening to it and you're taking it in, you have the ability to deceive yourself. I've never thought of that before because it just becomes knowledge. It just becomes something you have. You know, in, in a few weeks time, uh, my wife is, my Zoe is pregnant. We're gonna be having a baby. And uh, someone asked me this morning, is that all you talk about now? And I'm like, it's all people talk to me about now, but it's not so much all I talk about. I'm still interested in sports and other things, but no one seems to care about that. No one seems to care about how my week was. It's how's Zoe, how's the baby, how long is it now? You know, it's coming soon. But the thing that follows every time is a lot of advice. Did you know, Ryan, that you don't get to sleep in anymore? Did you know, Ryan that he's going to cry. Did you know, Ryan, that this is going to happen? Did you, did you, did you, did you? And there's all this advice, some of which I've deemed helpful and I've kind of made some notes of that. Other of which I've deemed as unhelpful. There's books you can, I discovered there's books you can read on parenting. Like I assume that was probably true, but it's actually true. Zoe's <laughs> read quite a lot of them. And what I've discovered is, there's a lot of advice in there. Some of it probably trustworthy, some of it not. Some of it circumstantial. What I'm really interested in is the stuff that we follow, and the stuff that we do. I want to the stuff that I think is is valid and I think is going to be helpful. I want to apply. It's no good knowing kind of how to look after your child and go, well, I read a book on exactly that thing over there, and not going to do anything about it. You know, Uh, good luck, mate. Um, The reality is you're going to want to apply that knowledge. You're going to want to know about it. But the truth is, whether I'm going to know that I know that that was good information, truthful information for my circumstance is if I see something happen through it. If I see that it's right, that I see that it works. And unlike all those baby books and advice, some of which can be trusted, some of which can't. Some people say, I do this, you've just got to do this. It's 100% right. So trust, you just got to trust me. The book is right. And then someone else totally contradicts that and says, no, don't listen to them. Haven't you seen their child? It's naughty. (laughs) I love that bit too. And then I'm like, oh, and so I become conflicted. I don't know which way to go. What will prove what's good in my situation is what actually has the transforming effect. And when I find it, I'm going to write my own book and become rich. (laughs) But see, the principle I'm trying to get at is here, it's no good having knowledge if we don't do anything with it. It's no good knowing the Bible cover to cover. If you can do that, it's very impressive. But it's no good knowing everything about it. It's no good having a bunch of historical facts It's no good knowing all these things, knowing how to read it, knowing how to interpret it, knowing what the Greek word for this is or that is. Whilst all of that is great and it helps build our strength behind the Word of God, if it's not transforming our lives, what are we doing with it? And so my encouragement is in your reading plan this week, even as you memorise that verse, don't just memorise the verse, put it into practice. When you read the reading plan this week, think about how you're going to apply that. How does that have the ability to transform your life? Because every one of them does. Not just the powerful ones, not just the catchy ones, not just the bit where you're like, I understand that. Everything you read out of the Word of God is what is God's inspiration. It's there to prepare us and equip us, what to do His work. And so this week, my encouragement is find in your reading plan times to let the Word of God transform who you are. I would love it as a church if we could come together and we could do these reading plans and we can be asking one another. I love being in my connect group in the middle of the week and saying, hey, share with me what, and someone shares saying, I'm like, oh, I didn't even read it like that. That's amazing. This is what the Word of God has done for me. That's what's going to help people trust the Bible. How do you know God's real? Well, let me tell you, I apply this principle out of His Word and it changed my life and it can change yours. And as we let the Bible transform, as we get the knowledge that we need, but then we what? I love it. It just says, do it. (laughs) Just go and do it. Apply it. Live it out. Let it transform you. Then we know we can trust the Bible. Because then when we're unsure or the hard words there, or we're like, oh, this doesn't, oh, but last time it made sense and I did it. The Bible is God's word and it's there for us. It's there to change us. It's powerful. It's a life. It's there to transform you tonight. I'm going to ask the team just to come back up. And you know, I know it's a pretty practical message tonight. And so we're not gonna you know, have a, a wild altar call and pray for people. And, but I would like, you know, we're gonna sing this song, Cornerstone. And I love it because it just talks about how Jesus is the foundation of everything. Yeah, and as we've reflected on His Word and we think about what that means to us. Thanks, sir. It gave me a bit of a scare. <laughs> there we go. I encourage you just to reflect. Does your life reflect something where, you, where it shows that you trust the Bible? Are you in a place where you live your life knowing that God is real, knowing that He can't lie, knowing that He's right and, that he's, and all of those things? But as you read your Word, do you read it with trust? Do you allow it to get inside your life and transform it? Because you can't have it change your life if you don't trust it. And so as we just begin to worship, I just encourage you just to, just to spend some time with God, just to reflect on who He is and you know what if you're in this place and you're like i'm not sure that i trust god or i trust his word i'd encourage you to ask him for that yeah. ask him to help you trust his word ask him when you're reading it to, that it would become alive to you that it would transform your life because there is so much power in who he is and you know as we look at these frequently asked questions we look at some of the things that you know often some of these things are the things that the world want the answer to isn't it hey what do you say about this how do you know this You know, when it becomes real inside of us and we have that confidence and that trust in God, we can have those conversations. That we can see the world change by the power of the Word of God because of what it does in us.